there was a really good article yeah in the New York Times today you know what I'll put it um in the learn yes what is it about it's a woman that's a sociopath and she writes about what it's like for her husband that she's a sociopath and she's been like diagnosed and she can't feel empathy really and she can't feel guilt and Wait, I want to do this story for a teeny tiny creepy. She does this thing. It's where she has like a keychain. I can't remember now. She has like a keychain or something. And every time she does something bad, her husband thinks it's good for them to like talk about it. But she doesn't right. have to tell him what it is or like sit and deal with it. She can just put the keychain on his desk and he'll know she did something shitty. And then he gives it back to her. But it's just this communication they have. It's like the shorthand of being like... Yeah. One thing I loved about it is she talks about how she's like, well, my husband's dishonest with me. He told me the other day that I'm the only one for him. And I know he has a crush on like a girl at work. I can't feel jealousy because of my sociopathy, but I know that I'm not the only one for him and that that's actually like a weird lie. So I called him out on it. It was just fascinating to read. It was a fascinating read. I think it sounded really relaxing in a way to be a sociopath. Like, you don't worry about what other people think. There's only one person I know who feels that way. Are you going to say my sister? Yeah. I think I've said it before. I told her because I was like, there was. I have such a guilt factor of like sharing my shit with people, says the person who is speaking about her shit on a podcast. But my therapist was like, is there someone you can talk to who like you're not worried, like who likes hearing about that stuff? I was like, yeah, my friend Brianna. I could like tell her things, but because she, she loves hearing shit and she doesn't tire of hearing like what you're going through because she doesn't. Brianna is also really interested in humankind and psychology. She's so. the best, worst Shh. dinner guest in that, like, she'll come <laughs> over and everybody will be, like, kikiing, getting to know each other. And Brianna will, like, zoom in on someone and only talk to them in, like, whispered tones because she wants to find out their deepest, darkest secrets. And she wants it to be the darkest secret, and yeah. And she wants to be the dark, and she wants it. We should promote the non-essentials. <gasps> Yes. So my sister, dear readers, so is good. a very funny writer. I think she has my exact sense of humor, so I think she's very funny. <laughs> um, which is to say she likes all things that are um, uncomfortable, especially. And she wrote this really great series of shorts and directed them and, and made them with her best friend and her fiancé. And they're airing every week on Adult Swim. And there are these, like, tiny episodes. They're, like, less than five. They're two to four minutes. And, like, they're quick. They're so funny. The acting in them is so charming. The two actors, Justine and Josh, are so good. It's called The Non-Essentials, and it's basically humor about quarantine quarantine life. life, (laughs) Privileged quarantine life. Yeah. And it's very, very funny stuff. It's really good. It's really good. if you want to watch it, what do you every have to Monday lose? night, Two to what four do I do? Every minutes? Monday night, I'm like non-essentials. It's coming out. I have a viewing party. 
It's a very short viewing party and it's poorly Only attended because it's guest. just one me. <laughs> it's just one me. Poorly attended. Very poorly attended. That seems... Um, but that seems right in the pandemic. You know, you want... On like, theme, on brand. It's on trend, on brand, on being. And I think that's, at the end of the day, that's what we want. Do to be on, to be on brand? <laughs> on being on brand on time is what I always say. You always do say that. I, if I had a nickel on being on brand on time, <laughs> it's what I approach life, work, love, family, friends, food. Eat, pray, love, love. learn, laugh, and gather. gather. Yes, gather. We are full. We are in gather mode emotionally right now when this episode is coming out because it is the holiday season and there are so many pillows that tell you what to do in the fucking holiday season. It you is know, like drink cocoa, bitch. Somebody better make, make up some pandemic pillows that say whatever you do, don't gather. Like. <laughs> Could we, if Quinn and I, if enough Patreon folks came in and Quinn and I could leave our other jobs and do this, we would make a, we would make all of those pillows. We would make the pillows We for would you. do, and like, how great. Whatever you do, don't gather. <laughs> what's Catch the, all verb. What's the opposite of gather? Disperse. <laughs> can we make pillows that say disperse? Disperse. And like have it in oh, script with yeah. like foliage. Disperse. With like little tiny um, <laughs> sewn people on the pillows running. <laughs> like little stick figures running from Away each from other. Away from each other in like little corners instead yeah. of holding hands. They're running. Like, you know. Disperse. <gasps> I was so hungover today. Both ends. Not good. Oh, dang. Yeah, it was bad. I don't miss that. I keep thinking I miss drinking, but then I hear you say that and I'm like, do you? And then I'm like, yeah, I fucking do. Back off. <laughs> Uh, Hanukkah. Well, I've, I've heard of it. Yes. Have you? It's eight <laughs> nights, you know. Did you um, get a gift every night? You know what? My mom did the coolest shit for Hanukkah. She had themed nights. So <gasps> we would get like, I don't know, book night and everyone would get a book and we would do. Um, OK, here's a good example. We would do shoes. OK, book night. If you were a kid, she'd like read the book to you that night. So it was exciting. And right. if you were whatever, older. Like I, I was at the time. You just sat. What in your time room. are we talking about? Well, I'm saying I'm I'm ten years spread old. from my youngest sister. <gasps> right. Oh, so, that was so nice for your mom. She like, like one kid would want a book read to them. One would be like, get the fuck out of here. Totally. Love. Smart. Um, and there's That's four of us, kids. so you got to come up with like a theme everyone's gonna be happy with. There would be shoe night. Shoe night was great. Let me tell you what would happen there. I love She'd shoe take night. all our old shoes, mm-hmm. put them in a laundry basket, and put our new shoes mixed in, and then she'd say. Your market said go. You had to run across the room, get to the laundry basket, locate the new shoes, put them on your feet, and then run back across the finish line for an extra treat. I, because I was the oldest, was tasked with not just doing my own shoes, but putting on the youngest, her shoes as well. Madison's shoes. I assume you're a competitive person. I would always win. Of course. Would Brianna like? Have I'd like a catch Brianna's Brianna ankle like... and she'd like wipe out on the floor. <laughs> I, your I mom mean, I probably was like laughing. Play off. dirty if you have to, but that's <laughs> how you win Hanukkah. I would say your mom just pit you guys against you. But you know, she'd also do. She'd do. Um, she'd do like. <laughs> uh, grateful night or something. I don't. I'm know. sorry. Would she do a gather night? 
No, she, that's disgusting. What does that even mean? <laughs> she would do a night of Hanukkah where we would go work at like a soup kitchen. We would like yeah. do something good, good, for good. Good, the good, general good. good of the Love world. Love that, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's as a, a kid. Well, but as a kid, you were like, fuck this night. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know? How do you instill being a good person to your kids without like forcing them and then like resisting helping others for the rest of their oh, life. Oh, I don't know if you can make people good that way. It's like she would explain it and we would be like, yeah, we get it. We just would rather have a present. Like, Yeah, 4,000%. But then as an adult, I now relish telling people about it because... It makes you look so good. It doesn't really part. make me look good. It makes her look good. Yeah, but, but that's what we want to do. Which is probably why she did it to begin with now, <laughs> I realize. I'm on to you, Mom. And I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to make Koa do good things his whole life just so that he'll tell people about it and all look good. My worst nightmare is actually that a parent at his, like pristine Montessori school will find out about this podcast and I'll get like found out for who and what I am. <laughs> a psychopath. <laughs> a complete a so- sociopath. sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think right. you go first. I'm going to dive into... By the way, you're listening to Truly. Darkly. Creepy. I'm Quinlan Bosner. And I'm Carrie Ipema. And you're about to hear a really special Spooky tale. Subject, pregnancy. (laughs) So this story is a local story for me, which is to say it happened in Colorado. Okay. And I got my intel on this tale from the Denver Post, USA Today, ABC, Denver 7, BuzzFeed, and from literal courtroom recordings of the event itself. Whoa. Yeah, you could find a lot online. It was pretty... um, I guess they recorded a lot and okay. aired a lot on the news. So there was some stuff to be had, to be found. We're going to start our story in Longmont, Colorado on March 17th, 2015. We're in Longmont, Colorado, and Michelle Wilkins is 26 years old and seven months pregnant. Month behind me. Too young. I'm going to be honest with you. 26, seven months, too young. Oh no offense. Oh, God. Shut up. So normal. For... for- for people who, like, know what they want out of life, the idea of me at pregnant at 26 sounds terrifying. You're threatened by Michelle already. I'm threatened because she has more of a future. She, I bet she wasn't quarantining by herself. You heard? <laughs> I can confirm that was not what she was doing in 2015. What she was doing was, uh, she's thrifty. She's hopping on Craigslist to see about people getting rid of baby shit and da-da-da-da-da. Are you familiar and with that, And she sees world? some maternity clothes. Yeah. And uh, it was a 34-year-old named Dinah Lane who placed uh, the ad. She's in Longmont. And Michelle's like, great. This is going to be perfect. I'm going to go pick up these clothes. Dinah has two teenage daughters with another man, not her husband. And now she's pregnant with a baby by Thank her. Okay. I'm not sure, actually, if he's her husband. He's her partner, we'll say. But her history is she has two teenage daughters and she lost a child in 2002. He was almost a year old. His name was Michael. He was actually 19 months when he drowned in a decorative backyard fishing pond (gasps) at her home in Pueblo. The saddest thing I've ever heard. Um, Oh, God. And... Dinell was a certified nurse's aide, and when she found him, she performed CPR and obviously called the hospital. He, it was too late. He died. I can't Heartbreaking. imagine. That's so horrifying. 
Michelle texts Dinal and asks if the clothes are still available. And she says, would love to have. Belly is bigger than ever. And they're like, she's like, yeah, they're available. So they go to meet at Dinal's home shortly before 12 the next day. And they're going through the maternity clothes together, chit-chatting and talking about being pregnant. And Michelle's impression of Dinelle is that she seems really lonely. Like every time, I think that Michelle is doing that thing where you're trying to wind down the convo. You know what I mean? You're like, we're strangers. Like I got the clothes. Okay. You know, like that kind of like, well, you're doing a lot of those. Well. Well, it was, thank you so much. Yeah, you're and then they'd be like, thank so, you. And then they keep asking and then they start another convo. Oh, so it just feels like Dinelle is not letting the conversation die. Uh, so they're chatting for longer than Michelle anticipates they would have been, right. like, maybe an hour or whatever. And then Dinelle's like, oh, before you leave, actually, you should come downstairs because on top of the maternity clothes, I didn't know if I was having a boy or a girl. And I ended up getting both boy clothes and girl clothes. I, if you're looking at my face, dear readers, I am... Her brow's furrowed. So suspicious of this. Ugh! I hate it. All right, well, you're not a... You weren't hired to be the detective on the case, so... I love to know. So here's what happens. I I like to figure it out before. (laughs) I know, you're like, spoiler, spoiler! (laughs) So she's like, you can... Dinelle says to Michelle, you can take the girl clothes because we're having a boy. They go down to the basement... I believe she's telling the truth, and Wilkins does get some of these clothes, but she starts to go back up the stairs uh-huh. and feels Dinell kind of, like, hit her on the back and pull at her. No. Like, she's trying to keep her down there, but, like, it's a weird feeling where right away Michelle's like, what's going on, and is there something on my shoulder? Because it's that vibe of, like, are you trying to, like whack something off me that's on me well, also like there's no reason you would like i feel like it probably takes your whole body to register what's happening like, why are you pulling at my clothes and dinelle says something like i think i got it uh so she's like okay but then she hits her again and again michelle turns around and kind of confronts her like quit hitting me and freaks out at her and dinelle's like freaks out back and says, well, I'm going to call the police. And Michelle's like, yes, let's call the police. You're being crazy. I'll call the police myself. And that sends Dinelle into a further rage who starts just punching her. So weird. Mm hmm. So they start wrestling each oh other God. and there's a bed down there and Dinelle pushes Michelle onto it. They are. She's trying to smother her with a pillow. And Michelle's like, why are you doing this? And she says to Dinelle, while Dinelle's fully going at her physically, I don't know why you're doing this, but I love you. <gasps> I got the chills. I, I know. got the chills. I, I just think that's the smartest thing I've ever heard. It doesn't work, but it's... I really like that that's what... What it... Like, I'm always impressed at people's, like... Flight, fright, flight, fright, fr- whatever that, the fucks, the Fs. Fight. F- I think it's just fight or flight. And freeze is the other one. Oh, she definitely fights. Sh- so do you want to know what Dinell says to her in response? If you love me, you'll let me do this. 
And then oh. Dinell proceeds to hit Michelle over the fucking head with a lava lamp. No. And break the lava lamp and then starts to try to stab her with a broken piece of lava lamp. Oh All Michelle's God. thinking this whole time is about her daughter. Yeah. And she's like, I need to survive for this baby. So she's fighting back as hard as she can. But Dinell gets both of Michelle's arms under her knees and then chokes her, like starts pressing on her throat. And Michelle says everything just went dark. She kind of comes to Michelle does and feels just this horrible pain overwhelming her and when she gets up to try to walk she just can't like oh my god she goes and closes the door to the room she's in and falls back onto the bed michelle does michelle does the sheets are gone there's blood everywhere she wakes up on the floor gets back on the goes and closes the door gets back on the bed And sees, like, there's just blood everywhere. It's on the walls. It's everywhere. She says she could feel her intestines outside her body. (gasps) No. But Dinelle's nowhere to be found. No. So Michelle has her phone still. She calls 911. The 911 operator gets a call at 240. This is March 18th. She calls 911 at 2.40 p.m. The call will go on for six minutes, which if you think about what she's going through is so long. I did listen to this 911 call. Oh, Quinn. Yeah. She sounds like she's having so much trouble breathing. So is her, does she know what's happened to her stomach? Uh, no, she, she doesn't she know what's going intestines? on. This is what she says. So she she's calls. She's having a really hard time speaking. You can tell she's like talking kind of like she's having a hard time even getting the words out. Mm-hmm. And she says, this girl cut me. I'm downstairs. I'm pregnant. She cut me with a knife in my stomach. I'm bleeding out. She's telling the 911 operator all this. The mm-hmm. 911 operator is trying to get an address Gets in a dress, tells her to get a towel and push it on her wound. She's like, are you alone? She's like, I don't know if I'm alone. The operator just keeps saying, stay with me. Stay with me, Michelle. You know, don't hang up. Don't fall asleep. Do you know the person's name that did this to you? And she's like, I'm in her house. The address I gave you is her house. And they're like, oh, are you a renter? Like, what are you doing? She's like, no, I was here for maternity clothes. Help. And she just keeps saying help through like really labored breath. It was the best thing about hearing this call, which is really upsetting, obviously, is that at the end of the six minutes, you get to hear the police arrive and her voice totally changes. Like this huge burst of hope comes into it. She's like, they're here. And you just are like, you feel that moment of relief with her and you're like, thank fucking God, like, go get this woman. So that they walk in and Officer Billy Sawyer's one of the first to arrive and he said that she grabbed his hands and he was like, keep putting pressure on and says she was just covered head to toe in blood. But that no one else was in the house that he could see and they rush her to the hospital. Oh, my God. So you're wondering, where the fuck is Dinell, right? Right. After all this? 
what happened while Michelle was out is that Dinell goes upstairs and her partner, David Riley, comes home early from work because he's supposed to take Dinell to a doctor's appointment for the pregnancy. And these doctor's appointments had not gone smooth for the couple. It had been pretty awkward. Mostly Dinell's like, you can't come, doesn't want him there. She also keeps canceling them or like going and sitting in a waiting room for two hours and then for some reason not seeing the doctor. She had told her partner, David, when she met him, that her tubes had been tied. But then she surprised both him and science when she's like, actually, she's pregnant. I'm pregnant. We're going to use air quotes for that fucking pregnant. She starts to get bigger and bigger, though, and they start really planning for it. They start picking names. James was the name they wanted. Um, She says the baby's due in November. Then she's like, the baby's due in December. And I guess David's just not like a fucking mathematician because now, like, not to put a fine point on it, it's March. And she's like pregnant the baby just didn't want to leave yeah um this is so like i said david comes home from work early and he sees dinelle just sort of like standing there in front of the door to the basement and she's covered in blood obviously and she's like oh i just gave birth uh in the bathtub upstairs and he goes up to the bathroom to find the fetus in the upstairs bathtub is the baby alive he doesn't see any signs of life. No. They rush to the Longmont United Hospital and Dinell's there and she's screaming, save my baby, save my little boy, save him. Dr. Leslie Armstrong is the doctor on the scene. She tries to restart the heart but can't and declares the baby's time of death. No. The baby's time of death is six minutes after the 911 call was made by Michelle. So this is all happening in the same window of time. While Michelle's calling the police, while Michelle's calling the police, her baby is declared dead in the hospital. No, I hate... So Dr. Dr. Armstrong's like, uh, to Dinell, is like, you just gave birth. We really need to treat you. And Dinelle's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And she's like, oh, no, we like really we we need to, to look at Legally, you. We have to. But in the midst of this argument, they come up to Dr. Armstrong and I totally picture like a Grey's Anatomy situation where they right. run up and totally. they're like, there's a stabbing victim five minutes away. Prepare the everything yeah. for that. And so Dr. Leslie Armstrong's like, oh, shit, this poor woman, Dinelle, she just lost her baby. She's going through a lot i don't right. want her to be in here while this stabbing victim comes in move her to a different place oh god so they end up moving her i think to a different floor or something and they then prepare to receive this stabbing victim which is michelle which is michelle uh, they hear that it's going to be a pregnant patient with a gash that stretches all the way from hip bone to hip bone. 
It says that they had to have two doctors with their hands inside Michelle looking for the source of the bleeding and that she was barely alive when she got there. She'd lost more than half her blood. So obviously the hospital actually puts this together pretty fast. Pretty quickly, I'm sure. Well, they're like, wait, they figure out Dinell was never pregnant. And then Dinell tells one of the doctors when she's kind of getting accused of this. She's like, well, what happened is that woman attacked me in self-defense. I attacked her. And then I was so scared that I would have hurt her baby that I was trying to save her baby by cutting it out of her. Jesus Christ. That's what I did. I removed the baby to save it from the situation. So the next morning, Michelle wakes up in the hospital, and that's when she realizes she's not pregnant anymore. She was going to name her baby girl Aurora. Oh, Michelle. Michelle. I'm so Michelle, sorry. I love you. For real. For real this time. And you did the best you could, and... She just tried to protect <sighs> her baby. That's all she did. So Dinah Lane... 35 years old, pled not guilty to six felony counts, including attempted first-degree murder and unlawful termination of a pregnancy. Um, How do people plead not guilty? Like, what? in what world are you not guilty of doing that? Was it by reasons of insanity? Did she claim, like, PTSD from the death of her son? Um, sort of. I think, like... She doesn't really claim much about it. She tries to say this attack thing that Michelle attacked her. God damn. So she attacked her back. Obviously, no one's buying that. No one's buying what you're selling, Dinelle. One thing that was really tricky in this case is that Denver doesn't... um, hmm. Denver doesn't classify a seven-month fetus or an eight-month fetus. Basically... If the baby's not alive outside of the body, it's not murder. I've seen cases like this where it's like the baby has to, you have to prove that the baby breathed independent. It didn't. It didn't. It never took a breath. So in opening statements, District Attorney Stan Garnett talks about how Dinell was just obsessed with being pregnant, had lied, obviously, about being pregnant. Was pregnant for what, a year? Had faked her pregnancy for more than a year. The defense attorneys don't really, like I said, they don't, they try to lean on saying this attack was uh, impulsive. Yeah, Um, passion as opposed to being premeditated. Right, and that she had, and that she didn't intend to kill Michelle. Um, Is Michelle, wait, is Michelle alive? Yes. Thank God. But the thing about calling it impulsive or not is... She had, like, a search history on her computer of women's anatomy and stuff like this. Like, it feels like and she also was... she had a fucking Craigslist. That was a fucking trap. It's a trap. Of course. It's a trap. What they end up doing is the majority of the charges they're able to levy against her have to relate to Michelle's injuries. Right. And they do make it about that. But then when they do the sentencing, whatever the sentence is, Michelle's very clear... I want it to be about Aurora. Like, she's being sentenced because she took this baby's life. So at sentencing, they put a picture of baby Aurora in the court. Mm-hmm. One thing the judge says about it all is, 
there's a question of whether Dinell was trying to kill Michelle to take the baby because she wanted a baby or was she trying to do it because she didn't want to get caught in this lie she'd spun about being pregnant mm-hmm. like either way right. it's bad but it's like this might actually be a person that was doing all this just because she would told a lie she was sentenced to 100 years in prison wow yeah they didn't fuck around good it sounds like she's sick though like it sounds like something is like she needs help it yeah. sounds like and like, I that's mean, not someone who like is in their right mind if she lost her own child like i i the pain that she lost her own child i don't think anyone in their right mind would inflict that on anyone else i'm but not she saying she did but she fucking did i'm not saying she's not worthy of that 100 year sentence i'm just like that fucking woman needs who Yeah, one thing that was really stuck out to me as just a crazy anecdotal portion of the story is that two months prior to all this happening in January, there was a Facebook conversation that was of somebody posted that is Dinell's partner, David, one of his friends. So one of David's friends wrote on Facebook that she was seeking advice and she said, Non-BF advice needed. I have a friend whose wife is pregnant and he confided in my fiance that she refuses to go to the doctor. Her whole pregnancy has been sketchy. She supposedly had a hysterectomy but then got pregnant, which I know can't happen, and she wouldn't let him go to the doctors with her. Then she was supposedly due mid-November, then mid-December. Here it is January and still no baby, dot, dot, dot. I'm confused. Is it considered child endangerment if she won't go to the doctor? Because this woman right. was like, well, maybe I'm worried about the baby, but maybe there is no baby. I mean, it was she pretty was, obvious. Honestly, she was fully disguising it being concerned about the baby. But honestly, she was just like, what the fuck do I do about this crazy person? One of the people that comments on this post is a bereavement doula. Happens to be a bereavement doula. Somebody that yeah. helps you through grieving the loss of a pregnancy or child in childbirth. Right. And she says... My concern would be for any pregnant woman being around her, because if she is desperate, she may do the unmentionable and harm the mother and try to take the baby. And this was written two months prior to this all going down. Oh, God. And I saw an interview with that bereavement doula on the news, and she's like, creeped. I mean, she... She, like, saw. She, she saw knew. the future. I mean, she couldn't have done anything, but she knew. She just had that feeling, though. What inclined you to want to look up this story is the real question I um, have for you. I don't know. I'm so pregnant right now, and when I go on walks alone, mm-hmm. I often think of fetal abduction. Because um, I I like to live in a world of pure anxiety and right. terror yeah, yeah, yeah. and create that for myself. Yeah. Um, it's a fun game. That's the world I live in. So... I walk down the street and I'm like, what is the scariest thing that can happen to me right now? And often while this pregnant and obviously pregnant, I imagine that everyone that walks by me is somebody that wants to commit a fetal abduction. Wow. Uh, so I was thinking about it a lot. <laughs> and then do you feel like in telling and finding this story, did you, did it calm you or like, what did it do? 
Like, I'm curious, is, like, that um, fear, like, is there a part of it that made it feel worse, or... No, it doesn't feel worse at all. It feels like, um, it feels very sad, like, to read the story, but I think for me, similar to watching a scary movie or something, I have so much anxiety stored up. It's like a well within me yeah. that giving myself places to put it yeah. is a little bit useful, a little totally. bit therapeutic. It doesn't ever go away or abate. And in fact, that's probably why I'm sort of an addict to stuff like this. Yeah. These dark things that I'm like, let's do another. Like I could probably read 10 more fetal abduction cases and not feel like that's enough of that. Um, Wild. So that's... I love that. Thanks for the sharing The darkness that. that is my head. So she got 100 years in jail. Indeed. They don't fuck around. I feel like I, I'm glad that that baby had justice and that, like, 100%. unfortunately, the laws are not always the most just. But the fact that Aurora was avenged, I, based on that, you know. Because the truth is, as much as you want that for Aurora, what you really mean is that you want it for Michelle. Yeah. Because the, of that. Michelle, she's 26. Like, she's had that young. heartbreak. Like, the least she could imagine. have after that being ripped from her was that justice would be served. Right. Um, is it my turn to tell a story? Well, I don't see anyone else here. Cole, what? I can't hear him, so it must be my turn. I got this information from all the hot, really reputable sources that you could ever think of. New York Daily News, Daily Mail, Entering Manhood. What? <laughs> Can't wait. New York Post. We know how they are about facts. Anchorage Daily News. That one feels like the most legit of all of them. But I'm doing the story of the Alaskan Avenger. Sounds like a superhero. He does sound like a superhero. His Picturing name, a white cape. I wouldn't. It's more just like a white man. Okay, got it. <laughs> now I'm picturing that. His name is Jason... Vukovic, Vukovic, V-U-K. I think you should say Vuk. Vukovic, Vukovic. Uh, so he's this guy who kind of got in just trouble. He was in and out of jail. He had a real tough go at the life, and I'll get more into that later. But he was convicted of things throughout his life of, like, fraud, theft, um, he was addicted to meth, so he had possession of controlled substance, um, assault, and he was in and out of jail. Um, in 2016, in June, I think the 24th of June, he's at the end of one of his stints in jail. So he, he, he heads out of jail. And he started looking up the national or the Alaskan sex registry list. And the sex registry? Do you know about sex offenders need to register? Oh, sex offenders. Right, Se- right, sorry, right. I was just registry. like, I was like, is that a porn site? Carrie, sex registry is just like... Uh, register for register sex for here. Register for sex here. Um, no, the sex offender registry. Got so it, we got started it. like taking a look. It's in a book. Uh, it's on the registry. <laughs> and um, on June 24th, he gets out of jail. He goes to this guy's house. His name is Charles Alby at 930 in the morning. And he knocks on Charles Alby's door. Charles is 68 years old. And in 2003, he was convicted of second degree abuse of a minor. Jason is like, are you Charles Alby? And he's like, yeah, I'm a 60 year old, a 68 year old Charles Alby. And <laughs> that's he, what he answers. <laughs> that's how he answers. Okay. Um, and then 
he pushes him inside. He orders Charles to sit on the bed and he slaps him across the face a bunch of times. Uh huh. And he admits, he's like, I found you on the National Sex Offender Registry. This one was super vague. I think it's important to know only one of the victims was like pretty open about what happened to him. Because, again, I think there's obviously it's a very mixed bag in this situation. Yeah. But in this story, what I found that I could find was that he just slapped him a bunch of times, which feels well, like, I like that. I'm not mad at that no. situation. So far, so, he, far, so far, he is an Alaskan superhero. He's an Alaskan Avenger. <laughs> so he slaps him a bunch of times and he's like, I found you on the sex offender registry. And he goes through his house, takes a bunch of shit, and then he leaves. Well, he could have... I mean, don't sully it by stealing. You're trying to be a superhero. Well, he stole. Okay. So this guy was like, when this happened to me, I saw that he had a notebook with a bunch of names written in it. So he's got to call all his pervert friends. He's got to call his pervert friends and be like, the Avengers coming for you. All dog alert, right? (laughs) So two days later, June 27th, he then knocks on the door of this guy, Andres Barbosa. He's a 25-year-old. Um, it's four o'clock in the morning and Jason is with two women. There's not much information about the two women who he's with, but he knocks on the door and Barbosa was convicted in 2014 for possession of child pornography. So he goes in again. He confirms that it is Andres Barbosa, the one and only child pornography criminal um, from 2014. And he forces him into a chair And he punches him in the face. So it, like, feels like it escalates here. He punches him in the face and threatens that he's going to bash his dome in. That's what he says. That's what he says. I know that's not what you say. No. That that I put in quotes. Well, bash your dome in. He's going to bash his dome in. One of the women filmed it on her cell phone, which feels like, why are you doing that? And the other woman went and took things, more things throughout his house, including his truck. They grabbed his truck and left. So basically, they want to steal stuff, but they want a Robin Hood feeling about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two days later. Okay, this is all like two days, two days, two days. June 29th, he goes to Wesley Demarest's house, who is 67 years old. In 2006, Demarest was jailed after he pleaded no contest for attempted sexual abuse of a minor. So, obviously, he earned his spot on that sex offender registry situation. None of these people I'm reading about were, like, on there for public urination. You feel? Um, Got it. So, he's sleeping. He's, like, with... He lives with another man, like, his roommate. I don't think there's anything going on. They just live together in the same place. And his roommate's, like, someone just broke in through a window. And so, Wesley, like, gets up. And he sees Jason. Jason confirms that it's him. It's one o'clock in the morning. And he was like, okay, you Wesley, like, get on the bed. And Wesley's like, no, I'm not doing it. He's like, get on your knees. And Wesley's like, I'm not fucking doing it. So he refuses. Jason then takes the hammer that is in his hand and he bashes Wesley across the head, across the He bashes his dome in. He bashes his mother effing dome in. And so at this point, like feels like very escalated in this moment. It goes from like slapping to punching to, to a dome fucking bashing. hammer. Yeah. Um, so Wesley, of course, gets like knocked out, but not before he hears Jason say, I'm an avenging 
Angel, I'm going to make justice for the people you hurt. Okay. So he is very clear in his intention yeah. of, like, what's happening. It's too happening. long a tagline for a superhero is my he's note. Edit- right now, like, clearly he hasn't figured out his vibe yet, but he's editing. You know what yeah. I mean? He's, like, the slapping too easy. He's, like... He's improvising. He's, like, okay, let's punch him. He's, like, ah, not that great. That didn't feel I right either. The two women, the cell phone, this feels, like, not great. That's not who I am. We got a truck. So then he goes to Wesley's house. Wesley doesn't really follow directions. He bashes his dome in and tells him his tagline. I'm the avenging angel and I'm going to find justice for all the people you hurt. So then he takes his laptop and leaves. (laughs) Because you got to like keep it consistent. So Wesley is like knocked unconscious. His um, he fractured his skull but he kind of comes to and he calls the police. The police respond to the call and they find Jason in his Honda Civic with a hammer and the stolen items and the name of all three men in a notebook. Pretty damning. Pretty damning evidence. So he's arrested on June 29th. So he gets out of jail on the 24th. He gets arrested June 29th and attacks everybody within two days of one another. Right. So... After this has happened, he's put in jail. This is when Jason releases a letter to the press about what was going on, in which he reveals that he was, he's a survivor of childhood abuse, abuse that he obviously is still working through. His adopted father, Larry Lee Fulton, molested and beat him when he was a child. His adoptive father beat him with belts and pieces of wood and then would sexually assault him as a child. His adoptive father was found guilty of second-degree abuse of a minor in 1989. So this is all substantiated in the courts. He, he Jason does have an older brother who also was a victim of the same abuse. Is he running around calling himself an angel avenger? He is, in fact, not doing that. But there was articles about how his brother is actively in therapy and actively really working through his... Issues. His issues, his survival, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's a good uh, nod to therapy, right? It's a real good nod to therapy. But it, it, so with Jason, what I said earlier about him being, he was addicted to drugs. He like did all of the, he was fraud, theft, assault, all this stuff was him lashing out based on his childhood, right? And so he wrote, after being physically and mentally abused by a predator, my life was changed forever. I literally gave my own existence no value or concern. I became a thief and a liar and went on to make many poor choices throughout my life. He wrote that children should be able to play in the streets and parks and go to church without a threat of a pedophile lingering around them. My own heart may have broken long ago, but with all my being, I support every child in pursuit of their dreams. So Jason, it's such a confusing and conflicting story, right? I mean, you mean just how to feel about it? Well, I know how to... Yeah. I mean, I like... Listen, I, is it though? Is it... I think it can be conflicting. It is. I think it's conflicting. Well, how yeah. do you feel about it? No, I feel it's like... so interesting. On all of the chat groups that I was looking at, all these people were like, that guy, give him a medal. Give him a golden hammer for all of his good work. And I'm like, okay, okay. Like, that feels... No, we can't condone... We can't condone it. You can't condone it. But you see this guy clearly comes from this history, this cycle, and in his way he's trying to break the cycle by making sure this 
those who had committed wrongdoings against children. I mean, if you remember, all of this was with minors, right? All of mm-hmm. these, um, all of these people in the sex offender registry all had either child pornography or minor um, convictions. He pleads not guilty to eighteen counts of charge, eighteen counts of robbery and assault. Early on, there was a. Earlier on, he was like, I don't want my sentence to be longer than the combined prison terms for the three victims plus his adoptive father. So he became an avenger and also was trying to find, like, the fair thing, which he was... Which so I don't he's think, like, I should get punished, but let's be clear. It wasn't as bad as what these guys did. Right. And I sh- my sentence should be less than all three combined. I don't think you can use that in court. I don't think that... That kind of reasoning, yeah, but... Yeah, I don't think it's up to... I don't think it's in your... They're not often like, what do you think? Yeah. It's not like grade yourself. Yeah, it's They're not like, like, honor system, how much punishment <laughs> do you think you need? How many... Okay. It's like, did Matt ever tell... We've been giving Koa timeouts, and Matt will say to Koa when he gets a timeout, okay, Koa, you have to do a timeout now. Do you want one minute or two minutes? And Koa will do, like, this really crazy flex where he'll be like, three minutes. You're it like, oh, dang. sounds like exactly Matt, who's, like, bargaining down. <laughs> One minute or two minutes, Koa's three minutes. 20 minutes. Okay. So I can fucking do this. I don't care. <laughs> Got nothing to live for. Uh... <laughs> It is a weird thing to go from talking about your son back to this story. Sorry. Um, no, it's all good. He um, So he faced up to 25 years in prison. He was able, they did a plea deal where he he was able to plead no contest and they dropped some of the charges, which gave him a lower potential sentence of 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, he really changed his tune where he's like, uh, I would not recommend this course of action, folks. He was like, oh, he was not like would recommend. This was a hard no for him. His attorney even said, you know, I think that Jason should be under supervision for a very long time and get treated for PTSD and, you know, treatment for violent offenders. Mm -hmm. Um, Jason came out and was like, there's no place for a vigilante in ordered society, is what he said. His attorneys were trying to argue that he needs help and not sentencing. However, he was sentenced to 23 years in prison for this. Demarest, the the latter, is the only victim of this avenging angel streak where he was he was the only one giving interviews or telling about his story, I think, because I think these other guys were like, I'm fucking, no one wants to hear from me. One of them got slapped, is what I read. It could have been what? more. He's going to go on the news He's and be probably like. probably not going to be like, yeah. I'm a less- And my computer got stolen. Like, okay, right. fucking chill. But Damara said after his tech and his lung, I mean, his he was the most injured of all three of them. Uh-huh. And he said that he has trouble forming sentences and he lost his job. But he was like, you know, Jason got what he wanted. He was like, I guess Jason fucking win. One. He also said, I began my life sentence many, many years ago. It was handed down to me by an ignorant, hateful, poor substitute for a father. I now face losing most of the rest of my life due to a decision to lash out at people like him. To all those who have suffered like I have, love yourself and those around you. This is truly the only way forward. Mm. The fact that he's singing a different tune of being like, don't do this. This is not the right answer. Like, I'm being, I'm punishing myself now at this point. You know, he's like, it's not helping me. I am curious as to if he 
really does feel that way or yeah. if he's if that's under the guidance of his attorneys. There is a change.org petition what? to free Jason Vukovic. <laughs> um, it has a total of 267 signatures. There was also like an indie go-go or like a fun GoFundMe or whatever. And I think it got no money or it closed. So it showed okay. zero dollars. All right. The internet is fucking like, give the guy a fucking medal. Like people are like coming out in spades in support of this guy. And I guess like what I couldn't find, what I was actually curious about is how many years his father got, how many years these three men got for their crimes and if he did in fact get more of a sentence than them and I don't know it didn't say and that's the story of the Alaskan Avenger superhero or nay I mean gather gather disperse on that one folks we want to know we want to know would you buy a disperse pillow um I would now I'm talking about I want it look I stand pretty firm I'm not gonna buy a pillow that says a thing I'm not going to Even do if it. it's of your own doing, it just says disperse. I'll make a pillow that says disperse and I'll give it to you. So nice. Oh, is that what you want for your birthday? I mean, let's see how long it makes. My birthday's in April. Is let's that what see. you want for the sixth night of Hanukkah, which everyone knows is pillow night? <laughs> Fully in home ec. My first musical that I was in was Fiddler on the Roof. And we made all of our costumes in home Impressive. Ec. Oh, very impressive. You did, like, a little circle skirt with the elastic. Yeah. And then we would take, like, a white piece of cloth and, like, you would dye it in tea. See, well, this Because it was, is... like, the same thing of, like, a piece of paper. Remember in class Sound we had to... music stuff. Yeah. Make like, your... like I said, I'm Make fucking suspenders trap, out of curtains. Right? And then we also... The best was, too, is we would make, like, cookies and food in Home Ec. Yeah. And our teacher would, like, fucking sleuth around and be like, you can't eat the dough. And all oh the kids God. would be, like, sneaking fucking dough, Listen, like, by the handful. I had handful. a cooking class as a kid, and we got to make a cookbook. You will die when you see this cookbook. It's hysterical. Do you have it here? I have it here. <gasps> it's so funny. It has recipes for things like nachos, and it will say, in type written, it will say, take chips, put on plate, yes. drizzle liquid cheese, and any toppings desired... <sighs> Heat and serve as like a <laughs> recipe. I fucking love it. It's like my most prized possession. There's a recipe for pasta salad. There's a recipe for like taking store bought peanut butter and like spreading it on a piece of chocolate it has like its own recipe, you know? But oh, everything's just that's like legit. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know? Best is like it was at every graduation party. My parents threw great graduation parties, and my brother's band would play, and there'd be dancing. It was like my mom would make fucking tubs of potatoes. We're talking too much. I gotta go. I'm hungry. Okay. Bye. Bye.